Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein, I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a screener and I love films. As Jack Kerouac once said, write in recollection and amazement for yourself. Also, watch American fiction and love how much time and care it takes with all its characters. It's really a lovely film. Wow, left turn there, but yeah, I completely agree, Mr. Kerouac. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Kevin Smith, Barry Jenkins, Sharon Stone, and even Bed Ambles. But this week, it's the brilliant actor and all-round legend, Mr. Tyler James Williams. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get an extra 15 to 20 minutes of chat with Tyler. We talk secrets, we talk beginnings and endings, and you get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Tyler James Williams is an award-winning actor. He first came to fame as a young Chris Rock in Everybody Hates Chris, and now he is one of the stars of Quinta Brunson's hugely successful masterpiece, Abbott Elementary, which has just announced its fourth season. We'd never had a chance to properly speak before until we recorded this the other day on Zoom, and my God, did we have a lovely time. I really think you're going to love this one. He's fucking brilliant. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 287 of films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a young Chris Rock, a lab rat, a little walking dead, a whiskey cavalier, a go on, and a dear white people, an unaccompanied minor, a wedding year, an award nominee, an award winner, and one of the all-time greats. I can't believe he's here. Can you believe he's here? He really is. Please, welcome to the show. In the middle of filming his hit, smash, 
Emmy-winning show himself. It's the brilliant, the one, the only. Here he is. It's Tyler James Williams. Thank you. That was the best intro I think I've ever had. Um, with all the deep cuts. Deep cuts. Uh, Whiskey Cavalera is one that I don't expect to hear ever again. <laughs> Shout out to that Bill. That was a good show. Good <laughs> show. Good show. Forgotten gem. It was really expensive, Joe, but it was a good show. There's some stuff on your CV that I didn't know about. You did a show with Matthew Perry. I see. I did not know that show. I did. Yeah, his return to NBC called Go On, another very expensive show about a bunch of people in a um, grief therapy group. Oh. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. I liked it. It just... 12 people shooting in a circle isn't the best way to do a show. It's going to be very expensive and very long days. But it was a good show. I liked it, actually. Wow. So, look, this is the first time we've probably spoken in real life. You're brilliant. I'm a huge fan. I'm very glad that you're doing this. I've had Quinter on the show, and it's about time we had you on. First question I wanted to ask you is, I'm always fascinated by people who were child actors, who Mm. aren't dickheads. (laughs) And I wonder if you could tell me what is your secret. You have a very, very good reputation. You are are much loved. And thank you. You were a child actor. How how young were you Mm -hmm. when you started? I started when I was four years old. Fuck. Yeah. So you have every right to be mad and a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) So my question is, how how come you're not? What happened? Or were you? How come I'm not a dickhead? I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, <laughs> you know, to be completely real with you, I was, I'm from New York and I'm like one of those New York actors who that's all I like to do is I like to perform and I love the process of making a show and, and, and making a film and all that. I hate literally everything else. And I think that's what keeps me <laughs> from being right. a dickhead. I like being on set. I love the process, anything that would stop me from being able to do that is like my worst enemy. And anything that takes me away from that, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming too. So I think that's it. Just I love the work, hate everything else. Man, well, I relate to that and I'm not a child actor. Uh, You seem like it is. You seem like you do. This is the first time we've like properly spoken. You are also rather brilliant, sir. Oh, God bless. Oh, stop. I've been meaning to tell you that like, formally you're 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 quite quite good at the many things that you do and i have a stop it. respect for you stop it <laughs> right <laughs> this is, this interview is over <laughs> <laughs> no more of this shit <laughs> um how how many seasons was everybody hates chris four four seasons was that the longest run of something you've done yes I'm not big on long runs like that, especially where like numbers and stuff get involved because sometimes the show can start mm. to get compromised. I've been a, a one or a two and out kind of guy for a few years. And Abbott, Abbott Elementary is now on season three. You're, yeah, but three. About four the, has yes. been picked up. Yep, four has been picked up. And where do you get to, when you did Everybody Hates Chris, when you were on like season four, did the dynamics change with everyone? Was it like, more of a grind was it still fun like where did you get to psychologically by that stage of it because that was like 24 episodes was it yeah so we did we did 88 in four years at that point i think it just become a machine at the end we were Mm -hmm. so good at being in it and cranking it out week to week you can kind of feel when you're not being challenged as much anymore and i was like 
that was 16. And I remember feeling that of like, I could do this, not necessarily in my sleep, but not fully conscious <laughs> if I needed to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just the, the, I think that's the hard part with doing that many episodes with that many seasons is how do you, you know, stop yourself from getting formulaic towards the end. But at the same time, that being your, your world for four years mm-hmm. in a very intense way, was it very sad when it ended? Do you do you still have are you still in touch with those people, or is that was it like done? You know, it actually wasn't. I think by the end of it, we all knew that either this was it, or we do like maybe one more. One of the things that people don't realize with that show is that at the time it was airing, our numbers were pretty bad. It blew up in syndication after the fact, but right. while we were on for the last two years or so, we were really kind of fighting for our slot. So we knew that it was coming to an end and it didn't feel like we had really anything else to do. We didn't feel like we had any, like if we were going to tell more story, it was going to be more of what we saw already. So I remember walking away from it feeling like we, we did what we came to do. Um, and I still run into, like I ran into Chris a few months ago in Soho to Sheena at the Emmys, Terry somewhere because he's just outside a lot. <laughs> and it's all good and love. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I think when you do a show and you feel like you did everything that you came to do, you can walk yeah. away from it pretty easily detaching. That's nice. So how do you do it? See, have you always, you've basically always been famous since you were conscious. Yeah. Everybody hates Chris. I was 12. I'll be 32 this year. So yeah, I've spent more time famous than not. It's really strange. I don't highly re- recommend it at all. It's very weird. So you don't know what it's like to to not be, really? No, 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 no. It's a very weird existence. It's like, I listen to other people talk about their teens and their 20s. Mm. And they have like fond memories of things and like quirky little anecdotes. <laughs> and mine's like, this is when I went through this and the entire world saw it. And it was kind of catastrophic for me, but it's all good. Yeah. We still here. <laughs> Fascinating. Fuck, man. Yeah. Fascinating. It's amazing you're not crazy. You should be crazier. Just I probably should be. I probably should be. I got good parents. They do a really good yeah. job of trying to keep it like normal and all of that. I think part of it too is like, I see myself as famous because I know it's the reality of my world, but I don't mm-hmm. try to lean into it. You know what I mean? Like I try to yeah. reject it as much as possible. Keep things as normal as much as possible. Hang around with other people who just kind of really like the work versus mm-hmm. that whole world. And just, you know, try to kick that dickhead portion of my life down the road as far as I can. <laughs> it's coming at some point. I oh, just, yeah, it's, it's coming. a little early for me now. It's a little early. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold off to about 40 and then really enjoy there it. There you go. There we go. Then I can really have fun. By that stage, you've earned it. I think people will be like, he's a fake. Let him have it. He's been so good for like 30 years. <laughs> Let him be a dickhead. Tyler, I have forgotten to tell you something. What? <sighs> God, it's fucking, it's terrible that I didn't tell you this up top. I'm going to just say it and then we'll sort of deal with it, I suppose. You, I'll yeah. just say it. You've died. You're dead. Dead. You're dead. Ah, figured. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense now. The tracks. It's sort of all the pieces coming together, in it? How did you die? There's a number of ways it could happen. I hope it was happy, but probably not. Uh, a light possibly fell on me at work. Oh, shit. Grips or electric didn't quite screw something in. That's a way that makes sense to me. What? Hold on. What's a happy death? You said, I hope it's happy. What's a happy death? That's a happy death. Oh. <laughs> so, 
That's a happy death. That's a happy death. I'm on set. I'm like standing on my mark. I'm in the middle of the scene. A light falls on my head. I die that way. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm good to go there. You don't like the Truman Show. A light fell on you. Yeah. You just you just yeah. fucking nailed a joke. The crew were yeah. like shoulders shaking, trying not to and that's, audibly laugh. That's why it sh- shook the light yeah. loose. It fell. Everybody was like, <gasps> but the timing was also really great too. So it also should probably yeah. make the cut. It's you know? going to be in the blooper reel at the end. For sure. For sure. At the rap party, at least. <laughs> How old do you want to be when this happens? I feel like it's maximum funny if I'm like 78. Yeah. Because then it's like, you know, long, illustrious career, Morgan Freeman style. Mm-hmm. And you want to hear, I think people would like to hear that somebody like died on set in a very like crazy way. But something that simple is really great. I think that's 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 it. Yeah. I, I think if you're going to be a dickhead at 40, you have maybe mm-hmm. 10 years, 10 years of being a dickhead, your reputation mm-hmm. is in sh- shreds, and then right. you, you, go, you go on some spiritual journey, you come right. back, you have a few years off, you come back, you start to rebuild, everyone loves you, mm-hmm. you're back, you're back, you're good, but now you're on season six of a show, and you're like the guy they cut to, you have lots of great one-liners, you're like a sort of surgeon, right. you come in, bang, one like bang, and then you deliver this one, they're all shaking, and then the light falls in your head, dead. Yeah, I have to get off the um, the memoir first. Mm-hmm. If I can get that memoir out, where I can just unload the clip on everything and everybody, just and it's not even the bad, it's the good too, just the wild story time. That will pull me out of dickhead. It'll be like, ah, he's old and cranky, right. but he's got some crazy stories. Oh, then, you're going to publish that before you die? That's not a publish in case of my death? Probably, yeah, that's got to go. I have to see people's reaction okay. to the why. Because mine is less about stories about me. It's more stories about everybody else that you wouldn't think what's happening. Like, I want to get into who dated. I want to get into who cheated on each other. Okay. I want to go Quincy okay. Jones style. With uh, Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando. That's where I want to go. Once I see that and I can be messy, then I'm good to go. Okay. I mean, I'm looking forward to this memoir. It's going to be great. I hope you've started. Oh, yeah. I've got notes. Notes. Tons and tons of notes. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you come back from your dickhead years, is outing everyone you know. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully most of y'all are dead. But if not, you're old. Don't nobody care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the best time to really be your best self is 70 yeah. plus. It's like, what are they going to say? Gonna yeah, do? it's like when Carrie Fisher's memoirs came out and she mentioned a lot of things that were very personal about real people who were alive, but it seemed yeah. okay because it was a, a very long time ago. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, yeah. it's, it's so detached and so far from it. It's strictly entertainment. Okay. All right. I like that. Do you, uh, yeah. do you worry about death? Do you worry about dying? I think about it a lot. I don't know if it's necessarily worry. It does come up a bit. I think because I started doing things so early mm-hmm. that there are things that people are chasing still that I'm not necessarily chasing at like 30. So um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, if it did happen, if it did come knocking on my door, there's not really a lot I'd be like, didn't get to do that. Mm. Which I just find interesting. I find like an interesting place to create from because there's really nothing to lose at that point. Yeah. Listen, I joke about this in my stand-up, but it's not a joke. I completely mean it. Mm-hmm. I did Sesame Street, which you have also mm-hmm. done. You did it for Yes. You were four. When did you do Sesame Street? A, a year ago. I did see this. I saw this. It's okay. Yeah. But what I say is, 
it was the best day of my life. And I do mm-hmm. feel like it doesn't matter if I die now. I've felt that yeah. ever since Sesame Street. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. I did it. You know what I mean? That's how I started. I've been there since five. You've been there since five years old. Yeah. So that's, I've been good yeah. to go. I'm just, yeah. I'm coasting at this point. Yeah. <laughs> None of this matters. No, You've already not. done Sesame no, Street. No. I did Sesame yeah. Street. I peaked. <laughs> I think after that, it's just that's gravy. It. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you something? And I hate to do this and, and I will cut it if this is inappropriate or wrong. Go for it. I Googled you to get any credits I didn't know. And there was a thing that mm-hmm. said you had had a near-death experience. I don't know if that's true yeah. or if that is inappropriate that is to discuss. Is that something you would talk about or is that private? I mean, I talked about it with other people. I don't know why I would draw the line here. Um, okay. But I'm so yeah. sorry because I hate getting stuff off the internet. It just popped up in a thing and I was like, oh, that sounds nah. very interesting. But if that's all right. I was 23. One of the things that people don't realize with doing a show that you would know as you not only like starred in shows, but written and produced and do all the mm-hmm. things. The process of doing a show is very stressful from shooting to release to promo to all of it. So I became really acutely aware of that for Everybody Hates Chris when I turned 12, that I was carrying a show with mm. a bunch of people whose jobs all depended on my performance and all of that. And then numbers would come out and you would see and hear things. So it became really stressful. So I developed essentially like stress disorder and then it materialized in my body as Crohn's disease. And I didn't take care of it or even know it was really there until one day I went to the hospital because it felt like my insides were going to explode. And a surgeon said, no, your insides are going to explode. I was like, nice. Fuck. And then two weeks later they did. And I was like, nice. (laughs) Shit. And uh, that was like all of 2017. I spent all of 2017 pretty much in the hospital. Oh, fuck. Letting my insides explode, disconnecting them, pulling them on the inside, on the outside, and then off me back and putting them back in. And it was a what? whole thing. So when that happens, you have a lot of time to think about death. It's like, hey, I guess. Yeah, what did you, where was your head in that, in that period? You know, it was kind of similar in the sense of like, I wasn't afraid of it. I was disappointed, though, in me. I was disappointed that I didn't enjoy it. I had done a lot of things, but I didn't really enjoy them. I got a lot done, but I wasn't having a good time. And that was pretty much what I came away with it going was I'm going to have fun this time. Mm. And we'll see whatever happens, happens. I'm not, I can't be concerned about how well something's going to do or if I'm doing the right thing. Cause I think that's also part of the child that I could think is you're like very much yeah. so pushed to do the right thing always. I'm just going to have a good time. And everything got better after that. Everything. Man, I was worried about asking you that, but I'm glad I did because that's fucking yeah, yeah. Prof- profound. And I appreciate it. I hope it's, uh, and look at you. I, I always think that's, Look at you. You know what I mean? If that was your 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 new life's work and now you're yeah. Miss, Mr. Emmys, Mr. like doing this fucking amazing show, everything's fucking, it's, you're doing really good stuff because you're leading with your with love. And yeah, and it's kind of like what happened to us in the pandemic. We survived the pandemic, so now we know what we're capable of surviving. I'm so happy I almost died because I now know it's going to take a lot to kill me. You know what I mean? It's like it would mm-hmm. take a lot. So when stuff happens and, you know, the industry does what the industry does, it ain't get me yet. (laughs) I guess we're we're in a good place. I love it. Do you, uh, what do you think happens after you die? Do you think there's a a place? Honestly, I'm I'm a believer in you'll be back. 
is a small period of time where you get a chance to reset, but then get back in there. <laughs> so you send you back yeah. down for more stuff. I'm I've always been one of those people who has felt like I've been here before. And like this time around, I knew what I came here to do. Like I was four when I was like, all right, let's get this acting shit started. <laughs> like it's time to get going. So I've always kind of had this feeling that this isn't the beginning or the end of the story. Wow. Been here before, I'll be back. Well, you're absolutely right. That is correct. Right. Well, great. Good to know. So I well think would have the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I'm in charge of the bit in the middle, the reset, where you have a little break. And yeah, um, I didn't see that coming. No, well, a lot of people don't realize, but that's that's heaven, and you're welcome. People are very excited to see. They're big fans. They're big fans of oh, your that's assessment. Great. I, I was hoping that something I did it made up there. Yeah, and uh, heaven's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Good TV. Oh well, okay. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good TV in film heaven. Uh, uh, we're ignoring those rooms, but there's a no, there's a lot. There's a lot of good TV. Don't worry about it. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that, but it's there. But everyone in TV heaven weirdly wants to talk to you about film, even though they they fucking love TV up there. But they're like, let's they talk about it another time. And they first thing they want to ask you, they want to talk about your life. First thing they want to know is, what's the first film you remember seeing? Tyler Jones Williams. Men in Black. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's what got me working. I was four. I was like, yeah, here we go. This. For real. I was going to ask you that. It was it was your For idea. Sure. It was your thing. 100%. Like, I remember the moment. I'm sitting on the floor in my parents' living room. There's a green couch behind me. There's a uh, TV entertainment stand that my father put together. Good enough. <laughs> and Men in Black is on. Will Smith is running down the streets chasing an alien. And he's dropping on and off a bus. I'll never forget it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so nice. I, I've had so many people on this and no one has had that clearer. It's always like, really? yeah, I guess I thought... I guess I thought I'd like that sort of thing, but for you to be that specific. Did you oh, articulate yeah, no. it? Did you say, I want to do this? Immediately I turned around and I was like, all right, I would like to do this. <sighs> and I think as parents, they were skeptical as you should yeah. be. You know what I mean? Like your child said, <laughs> he wants to be a fireman one day and all yeah. this. But the way my mom tells it, she was like, and then you were seriously bringing it up every day for like six months. And <laughs> we were like, all right, fine. But I, rem- I, I remember the moment itself of it being clear that I could do this and that's what I was supposed to be doing. That's such a fucking good point I've never thought about is that acting is one of the only jobs that children are allowed to do. Like if you do say I want to yeah. be a fireman, you can't be a fireman until <laughs> you, think you don't have little firemen running around. <laughs> There's no fireman training. There's no other job, is there, that kids are allowed to do? No, no. That's, that's the it. only one that you can really say that. I mean, maybe like sports but even then you can't start professionally immediately yeah interesting all right what is the film that scared you the most do you like being scared how are you with being scared the film is yeah it's also from childhood and it's strange it's free willy and here's why go on free willy scared the shit out of me (laughs) because at the end it made me feel emotions i did not understand I used to be very afraid of feeling things that I couldn't control. Mm. And that I had a great ride the whole movie and got 
the orca, and he's going all over the place. But then when he actually gets free, I felt so many complicated emotions. I would get up and run from the movie. <laughs> and I, it created a lot of anxiety in me while watching the film. I watched it over and over again because for some reason, as I guess an actor, I want to feel those things, but I'm scared yeah. to feel those things at the exact same time. And it would build up anxiety as the film go on. And then eventually I just had to run out, out of terror. Um, I do like being afraid, though. I, yeah. It's weird. I do like it because it means that I'm more than likely heading in the right direction. Or whatever it is is challenging me to do or feel something. That is really interesting. But yeah, it's a strange one, but pretty willy. I love it. I agree with you. I agree with you with, with jobs, with, jo- with sort of creative stuff. Yeah. Every time I'm scared of a thing, that means I should do the thing. Yep. Yeah. It's the best way to tell. It's the best way to tell. What about crying then? What's the film that made you cry the most? And do you only cry when you're scared? <laughs> <laughs> There's been a few. Um, from childhood, it would be All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, shit. Yeah, that one really <laughs> fucked me up. That was that was really like uncontrollable, inconsolable mm. crying. As I got older, but, yeah, Burt Reynolds, right? He's the dog, main dog. Yes, yes, yes. I'm still. It's just still a lot. I can't think about it too much. <laughs> can't talk about it. It. <laughs> That's the one thing we can't talk about. No, just <laughs> casually say Burt Reynolds. You got this no, casually. No no, 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 no. Come on, we got to keep it together. <laughs> you know, and it's one of my favorite movies. Is Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. I deeply, deeply love New York. Like, I love New York like it's a person. Mm. And there's something about these factions and groups of people who are all fighting over their place and love for the city. And then it ends with the tombstones of people from old New York who just gone and been forgotten. Um, and then New York continues and builds. So there's something really beautiful about it to me. It's beautiful and dark and sad and bright at the same time to this day it will always get me that ending because it feels like that that plot of land has just been the backdrop for so many people's lives and i really gained the context of that it's a really beautiful thing for me for some reason what a fucking great answer thank you beautiful i'm giving you 10 points for that answer oh hell yeah is that 10 heaven points 10 dogs go to heaven points yeah sorry to bring it up tell me this Tell me this. What is the film that you love? People don't like it. It is not critically acclaimed, but you love it unconditionally. The Nutty Professor, too. It is my opinion that Eddie Murphy is top five greatest actors of our generation. Yes. And that movie is it on display. I've never seen anybody else be five different people at a table. Each character Mm -hmm. is distinct has their own opinion about the conversation. The jokes do not overlap. They argue with one another. And each one is funny. I've seen it done with two or three characters here and there. I've Mm -hmm. never seen it done on that scale. I could watch those scenes over and over and over again, and I do. I still don't fully understand it. I think it's criminal that it got deduced down to fart jokes. (laughs) Just like that's Mm -hmm. how people remember it. Um, Because it's some of the best character work. I think I've ever seen, especially when the general thought is you're only as good as your scene partner and your scene partner is you all the way around the table. In the future. It's you in the future. That's your scene partner. That's your scene partner. It's you in an in two hours time. That's 
I don't even know how to prep that. Yeah. I don't know what to do. How do I set myself up for a joke in two hours? And it's probably more than two hours because that makeup takes ages. Exactly. To remember what each one's perspective was. And I'll I'll argue people down on this. A lot of people will say that Eddie's best work was like in Dreamgirls or something. And I was like, none of that holds a candle. No. To the clumps. To the clumps. Fucking hell, you make a very strong case. You're right. Everyone takes it for granted because it's so well done. Right. You don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. There's sheer work that's gone into it. I don't know who sat in place for him. There's probably stand-ins for the time, but they're not being him. They're not being, and there's there are certain jokes that you can tell in there are straight Eddie off the top. How do you remember to get, because we all have that feeling where it's like, oh, I could have said this and another take. You have to get all of that out yeah. and then remember what those things are so you can respond to them and then do that four or five times around the table. Could you think they ever went back? As in, do you think he went, oh, I wish when I'd been that character, I'd said this. And they were, oh, fucking, it was going to take us eight hours to change your makeup. I'm assuming you have to. Like, there's no, once you catch a rhythm and you find something, I guess now we have to go back and maybe add another day to production. Like, I'm not even sure how that works logistically. Because it's not stuff, you can see it's not stuff on the page. It's so sloppy. I don't know how they did it. I would love to fully get into it, but you have to go back. There's no way you don't. I think you're making an argument that the clumps might be the greatest film. That is, that's, that's the hill I'll die on. That is the hill I'll get kicked out of film heaven for. Yes, but this is the you're greatest. Not, you, you're making a, such a strong, <laughs> such a strong case. Well, I mean, you blow my mind. So, look, what about on the other end of the scale? What is a film that you used to love? You loved it very much, but you've watched it recently, and you thought, I don't like this anymore. She's all that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mess of a film. Yeah. Mess of a film. I remember growing up and like in the 90s, there was a huge thing about being a teen. Being a teen was almost better than being an adult. Like that's what they were selling it to you as. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember that movie being out and being on TV and all that and being like, oh, this looks great. And I think part of what I liked about the movie was this pitch of what being a teen was supposed to be, which was a lot. Mm -hmm. I recently went back and watched it with my brothers because they were younger at the time, I didn't see any of it. And as I'm watching it, we all slowly just start realizing this is trash. This is, it's a mess <laughs> of a film. It doesn't, it feels like a film that the producers were doing rewrites on while it was shooting. Right. And they were just kind of piecing things together. There are moments where, and there's like a lot of actors in that film who go on to have great careers, like um, do amazing work, but it feels like a structural nightmare. Pretty bad film. Pretty bad, but it's great how bad it is. Then you watch it from that angle, and it's it's fantastic. I worry that a lot of films, big films, are made by producers writing things on set, piecing it together. Currently, I would argue to say more than half. Yeah, and they wonder. You know, a lot of people wonder why films and their tones get so off. Most times, there's a really Mm. slick script. The script is great, but then somewhere in the middle of all that. Producers come in and are like, we should have this scene. And that's where it starts to fall off. But I would argue more than that. Yeah, I think you're, pro- I think you're probably right. Yeah. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it meaningful to you. Hmm. Crooklyn, Spike Lee. Great movie, great movie. What happened when you saw Crooklyn? So my mother 
her mom had passed away from cancer before I was born. And she kind of always talked about it and what that experience was like for her. And I never fully understood it. When I saw Crooklyn for the first time, it felt like I was getting a glimpse into what my mother's life was as a child. Mm. And it was, the movie is brilliant, but it's less about that. It's just something about it that feels like home to me because it, it cracked open my family and my family's dynamic in a way that I didn't know I needed to understand at that age. It's in New York, so like it's already like 50% of the battle for me. Um, <laughs> but Brooklyn reminds me of my family and more specifically reminds me of my mom because she would watch it. And now that I look back on it, she would watch it at particular times where I'm assuming she was going through missing her own mother. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever worked with Spike Lee? No. Uh, my brother did. And I remember I was really upset. My brother, this is before Everybody Hates Chris, we both auditioned in New York for, uh, I think it's an NBA commercial. LeBron James is in it. It's a rookie LeBron James. Right. And my middle brother didn't really know basketball like that. And I did. And he got it. And Spike Lee was directing it. And I was pissed. I was the only time I've ever been jealous of my brother getting a job was that because um, it was both Spike and Braun, like a like rookie Braun. It was mm -hmm. like, come on. But we've never actually had the chance to. And that's, he's one of the people on my list where I'm like, all right, if death would like to stay away yeah. long enough for me to do this, that would be great. I think it'll happen before you're 78. It might even be in your dickhead years. Oh, that'd be great. Which would be interesting. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NYFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree, or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre, and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. What is the film you most relate to? Mm. Hitch, Will Smith. 
No, Will Smith. I do. Will Smith got you into all this. Will. Tell me. Will. I think, okay, first of all, I don't think there's a black actor in Hollywood currently, at least of our age range, that didn't at some point look at Will and go, I can be that. Yeah. He's responsible for, I think, the whole that Michael B. Jordan Wade era of us. Yeah. That's That's all him. Hitch was, to me, the first time I got a glimpse of what I assumed being an adult was going to be like. That's where I was like, okay, this adult shit sounds great. I can't wait to do that. Like, I, I went from wanting to be a teen to wanting to be 25 really fast. <laughs> you went from Shizu that to Hitch. <laughs> to Hitch. You're like, um, and to this day, it's still, I think it's one of the best examples of a fresh romantic comedy and somebody's performance in a mm-hmm. fresh romantic comedy. It's still what I want my life to feel like. I'm on my way there. I'm trying to figure that out. How do we get this to feel as much like it's as possible? But I put it on in my house at least once a week. Definitely on a Saturday, oh, nice. for sure. If it's coming on, it's coming on on a Saturday. That's fucking nice. I like that film a lot. Yeah. All right, Tyler James Williams, here we go. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen? Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I think it's the sexiest movie any of us ever saw. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. No, it's just, it's there's that in-therapy session where Brad and Angelina are talking to the therapist, and I think she's, like, biting her nail or something like that. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, does she know we can see her? Like, does she know that camera is rolling? Like, is she aware that, like... If y'all could just hide a little bit that y'all are fucking, that would be great. <laughs> it was just so palpable. Um, yeah. In a scary, sexy way. That's what I loved about it. It was scarily sexy. I didn't think we knew that two people could be cast like that. And then it could be that yeah. sexy. That's when I realized there was levels to this sexy shit. There's certain things you have to be built and born for and link up with the right person. If you don't, yeah. you'll never reach your max sexy potential that's theirs yeah i agree with that that was that was the the pinnacle for sure and so interesting if you've ever seen and not many people have have you ever seen by the sea which is the film that she wrote and directed with him in it no i've never seen Before it. they separated it's a like a very long it's about three hours long it's a really listen it is not a well-loved film okay but i think it's yeah, like as in it wasn't very well received mm. but I think it's really interesting because it's her writing possibly a, well it's a film about a marriage and it's this couple played by Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie who go away by the sea and he drinks too much and it's sort of miserable and very low-key and slow and it's a very interesting like companion to Mr. and Mrs. Smith where you go like Oh, it went from that <laughs> to, this. to this. We need that. To this. Uh, I do need to see that. Yeah. Because there's something about yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith that set an unrealistic standard for sex appeal in my life. Then you need to see. I need to know well, how that she's, is. Hey, hey, listen, she at no point is any less beautiful. Oh. She doesn't become no, less beautiful. That's not going to happen. But what you do think is they've worn each other out. That's And I think that's what happens when, as a couple, as a unit, you're too sexy. Eventually, yeah, too sexy. eventually, they, it just that flame can't stay lit for so long. It's just too much sex yeah, in there. They had to, yeah, it was too sexy. There's a subcategory, troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. A film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> okay. Dodgeball. Can I have follow-up questions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, if you need the context. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> go for it. I mean, I get it. Obviously, yeah, I get it. I get it, obviously. But I'm just wondering <laughs> what in particular, if you had to narrow it down. <laughs> or is it just the whole dodgeball? I think it was in the era of the, we were making these like comedies that were built for teenage boys. They just were. Yeah. And yeah. I was a teenage boy at the time. And I think I was having such a good time while watching the entire thing that it, I think you're, as, a, as a young boy going through puberty, your body can't really figure out. I'm having a good time. I just don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to just respond. So you got. Overexcited, yes. Just by the the euphoria of the, watching the, the sheer euphoria, and it was the right combination of things. It was the right kind of jokes. It was everything. I remember that. I think this. This is so good. <laughs> and your brothers are looking down. It's too it's, good. You think it's too good? It's not that good. It's not that good. It is though. It's good. I'm having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how you I like how you show appreciation. I that's, think that's it. Sweet. You know, I'm one of those dudes who feels everything through every ounce of my body. Yeah. You gave it a standing ovation. <laughs> I think that's really sweet of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. The next question I think you've answered, but let's see. What is objectively the greatest film of all time? What is the pinnacle of cinema? Is it the clumps? Mm, close. Coming to America. It's it's the clumps without trying to be a commercial hit. Interesting. You have Eddie doing the similar thing, right? He's in the barbershop. He's arguing again mm-hmm. with himself. But it was in this great period of time, I feel like, comedies in the, the 90s, where it wasn't trying to be too joke-heavy. It really just mm. leaned on... Eddie experiencing this story and what the natural reactions were. And I'm a natural reaction guy. That's kind of my, I love listening and responding and watching him listen in that film. It's, it's, it's it's perfect. It's subtle. It's, it's big when it needs to be. You have a cast of people who were perfect, like absolutely perfect. I think even at one point in the, the dog is hilarious. The dog has a fourth wall look. That's it's spot on. It's like, it's, it, it feels like it was made in heaven. Like, how does that, how do you get a dog to perfectly time a fourth wall break? It doesn't happen. It's a really lovely, I watched it again not long ago. It does really hold up. And it's a really, you're right in that, unlike some of those films, it's really quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's quite a sweet. It's very like a, a really kind hearted film. And it does have broad stuff in it and it does have big set pieces, but it's very sweet. Yeah. It's a very like, it's a lovely film. Sweet, simple. All right. A man searching for the love of his life. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's perfect. I, I have no notes. Ah. All right, great. What is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? Is it Hitch? Is it Coming to America? Is it The Clubs or is it something else? It's Coming to America, for sure. Hitch is right behind it, though. Like, Hitch on Saturdays. 
coming to America. Coming to America Sundays and Tuesdays. It, yeah, Sundays, Tuesdays, whenever I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's just like, what am I? I think, you know, when I'm, I'll sometimes put it on in the dressing room when our call time's like 5 a.m. I'm just like trying to be like, right, we're mm. doing this. We're making comedy. Okay, this is, I know why I'm up. But yeah, in, in the front, coming to America, Hitch, then probably the games of New York. The clubs, it's hard for me to watch as consistently because it just gets intimidating. I just get, I get to watch it. And I just get frustrated with how good he is being in it. <laughs> I turn it off and I walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I don't like to be negative. We do this quick. What's the worst film you ever seen? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of bad films. Uh, <laughs> what's the worst <laughs> film I've ever seen? I don't know if it's necessarily a film, but the worst experience mm-hmm. I've ever had watching something is watching a lot of my own stuff. So it's a it's a it's a compilation of my stuff. That's what. It is. <laughs> oh man, I hear you. I get it. I hear you. The worst experience of my life. Um, I have no idea why I ever work. Yes. Missed jokes. Missed moments of breaking. All like there's just stuff. I'm just like, yeah. why did you choose that? Or were you even in yeah. the scene? Did you? It's that. Does your face? look like your face to you when you see yourself on screen are you like oh is that what my face does i thought i was doing something else um every single time i'm shocked every time i'm like is that what you thought that was that's what you thought you were doing okay all right cool that's interesting that that's what you interpreted that as yeah that's what i'll see oh it felt like this but it (laughs) It looked looked like like that that. oh right okay so it just looks (laughs) bad um, yeah, no, I, I, I have a big disconnect from what happens on my face to what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. That's why I find it so strange that so much of what has made me successful is, is that because it never goes the way I think it's going ever. Yeah. Never. Do you have that? Oh, always. I'm always surprised that my face looks like it looks I, in my head. It don't look like that. You know what I mean? And then whenever I see it, I was kind of like, Oh, that's your fucking face. And why is it doing that? Uh, I thought because it's because when you're really in it, when you're really in it, you feel a certain way. And if you asked me, I'd visualize how it would look, and then you see it, and you go, "It doesn't look anything like I imagined." No, no, is that that's the first one? Is that that what you look like? I can't pay attention, honestly. I can't. I'll never be able to watch something that I'm in and enjoy it because the entire time I'm like, "You really look like that, huh?" This is just while you're walking around. And existing in the world, a, you you th- you think it's okay you, to be walking around with that face? That's what you, on your head. And people enjoy this, <laughs> like they employ you on purpose. That's you crazy. Are get, you are getting away with fucking murder, sir. <laughs> you really are. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm never having a good time when watching anything I've ever done. Okay, that's a great answer. You're in comedy. You're very funny. You're a bloody award winner for it. What's the film that made you laugh the most? It's a compilation of several Will Ferrell films. <laughs> they all gave you a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Step Brothers did it for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what makes me laugh particularly is when I can tell something wasn't on the page. When I can see right. two actors yeah. just kind of finding something in the moment. And so much of that film is that. Yeah. And it's just so fucking stupid. And I love that. 
I love that they were willing to go there. There's been several times where I've been laughing. I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. That was one of them. <laughs> that was one of them. That's nice. That's real nice. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree, or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre, and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tyler James Williams, you have been an absolute delight. However. Okay, there's always a however. When you were 78, your memoirs had come out after your your post-dickhead phase. Your memoirs came out. Everyone was like, wow, this guy saw some things. And he told everyone. <laughs> but your friends still love you because they're all, it's a long time ago that we was all having an affairs that you ratted us out on. It's a long time ago. It was good fun. And, <laughs> and you're on set, season six of a show that you love where you're the comedy assassin on it. And you, you deliver this line, fucking killer line. Everyone's shoulders shaking, trying not to ruin the take with laughter. And you get that little buzz. And as you do, you realize it wasn't a buzz inside you. It was the buzz uh-huh. of a light above you coming loose. And it lands straight in your head, metal bit, straight in your head. And it just goes straight into your brain, dead. You fall down. Everyone screams. I'm walking past with a coffin, you know, I'm like. And I go, oh, it's all that noise. And I go in the sound stage, And everyone's like, oh, I've gathered around you. And, and they're all wailing. Everyone's crying. I go, what, what's happening? They go, oh, we're... 
Charlie James Willie and the light just hit him on the head and he just done the perfect take. And I go, will you film me? And they go, yeah, we'll film it. It'll be fine for the rap party. We'll definitely show it the rap party. <laughs> and I go, okay, cool. And I go, help me with this. And you're much bigger than I expected at this age. So I go, has anyone got one of them like fire axes? And they go, yeah, yeah. And I start chopping you up into, into pieces. And I end up getting all of you. Get, help me, guys. I get all of your stuff in the, in the coffin. The coffin is absolutely rammed. There's no room in this. There's only enough room for me to slide one DVD into the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show people in TV heaven when it is your movie night? Mr. Tyler James Williams. Go. The Nutty Professor, The Clumps, and I'm ready to argue. As I sew myself together, I'm ready to argue everybody down that this is the greatest piece of comedy cinema that has ever been. Fuck, you're going to have a good time. You are going to have a good time, and they're going to be sad when you head back to Earth to do this all again. Tell me this. What should people look out for, listen to, watch out for with you in, in the coming months? I am on a show that is written by the wonderful and ever-talented Quinta Bronson. It is called Abbott Elementary. I like to work on one thing show. at a time that has my focus okay. for the next two years <laughs> at the very right. least. Um, <laughs> if you get a chance, turn it on. We've got some jokes for you. Um, and if you don't, that's okay, too. But that's where I'm going to be at. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have seen Abbott Elementary. But if you haven't seen Abbott Elementary, you have to watch Abbott Elementary. It is magnificent. Quinta Brunson is a genius. The cast is wonderful. It's a fucking brilliant show. You will love it. It will make you happy. Watch it. Tyler, what a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Um, it's been lovely hanging out with you. I'm so happy we finally got a chance to just like converse. Because I had the feeling it would be a yes. great conversation. And yeah, I'm not... I wasn't wrong on this one. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it so much. I've got a boner. (laughs) (laughs) So that was episode 287. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 15, 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Tyler. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why it's a lovely thing to read. Neighbour Maureen loves it. You're very kind to do it. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you're all well. Thank you so much to Tyler for giving me his time. Remember to watch Abbott Elementary forever. It's fucking brilliant. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Latham for the photography. Come and join me next week for another amazing guest. I hope you're all well. That is it for now. But in the meantime... Have a lovely week, and please, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, 
BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.